Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day that you have made for us to rejoice and to be glad. Thank you for being in the house of God, amongst the people of God, listening to the word of God and witnessing those prayers that are brought before your throne of grace. We pray, O oh God, that you would have mercy on us, that we would have everything that we would need to be able to serve you with excellence, that you give us more wisdom so we would be excellent men, excellent women, excellent children, living in the land of the lost, living in the midst of chaos and confusion and a generation that has gone wayward. Father, that they might return to the house of the Lord, that they might return to the ways of God, that they might have an open heart and open ears to receive this eternal bread of life that nourishes our spirit. For you have said that man is not to live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That we might be destined for glory as you intended from day one. Remove from us the guilt and the shame. Remove from us disobedience and rebellion. Remove from us, Father God, having our own thoughts and our own ways. And allow us to come to you and to live according to the alignment of your instruction. That your word might be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit and harvest that would glorify your name. We pray that your word this morning would be a double-edged sword that would surgically remove those things that don't belong in our lives. And then also to be able to bring into us that light that shines in the midst of darkness, that your word would be that light that profoundly impacts our life to transform us from glory to glory. Bless your word and prosper it in our hearts and in our lives. And let us not just be hearers of your word, but doers. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I was in the airport yesterday, Jacksonville. We had a five-hour waiting time only to be told that they only had four seats on the airplane and there were five of us. So after a long journey, one of us was going to be out of some uh, provision there until they said, no, we'll have one of the passengers that is a stewardess sit with the stewardess on the stewardess seat and we'll open up so there'll be five of you and you'll all be able to get to Miami. But here it is. I was at the airport for five hours. There's nothing to do, so you start reading the writings on the wall. And there was a little exhibit over to the left, and I, I, I came close to it, and it was a university professor. And this university professor is an art teacher, and he had a couple of exhibits of his art there, and he began to say what inspired his series of latest drawings called Tall Tales. If you know what tall tales are, they mean lies. Lies. The opening up your mouth to fill this world with things that are not true. And here's how he started. Um, his tall tale series was inspired by something he calls green lollipops. And he says, it was a long time before I realized that green lollipops were not made from caterpillars. My father told me this, and I believed him. That green lollipops are made out of caterpillars. Later, 
He confirmed his story about green lollipops being made out of green caterpillars when he showed me some tequila candies that had worms inside of them. He had come back with those lollipops from one of his business trips. This is the environment that I grew up in. Lying was an everyday occurrence. There are many words that talk about lying which make them sound perfectly reasonable. Storytelling, spinning the yarn, telling a tall tale. In fact, there is a long tradition of southern liars, historians of the mundane. Many of the south great writers fit into this category. As a result of being immersed in this environment, I come to excel and I have come to enjoy lying also. He says, I figured out that everyone, um, unfortunately, I'm not blessed with the gift for words, but don't get me wrong. I can tell a good story when the mood strikes me right. However, my abilities lie in the realm of the visual, so I learn to interpret and tell my stories that way. I feel a responsibility to record the stories of my life. This is not pure vanity. The tapestry of my everyday is threaded with stories of my friends and family. Every family has its historian or folklorist. I am that person for the extended family. All good folks' tales have a history, a heart of truth that makes them believable. Without that truth, the stories, those lies are just uh, mean. The best stories have a history of province, which gives them some gravity. So when I told my son all about green lollipops, he ate it up completely, and I've completed my cycle that I hope one day he will continue in. Talking about the having to spin the story with a little bit of lie to make it believable. And so last week we talked about this element of grace. How many were here last week? Last week, everybody took off out of here like a rocket up to the stars. They're like, you know something? God has done it for us. We have to do nothing. It's all finished. I want to tell you that, that grace is powerful. The grace of God is amazing. But the grace of God that subtracts truth is a lie. The grace of God that doesn't come with truth is a fantasy. And that's what a lot of Christians are preaching nowadays, a grace that doesn't come accompanied with truth. We cannot be fanciful about what God has done on the cross. We cannot be uh, engaged in stretching the truth just to accommodate for people to feel good. So to do my job this morning is a call to grace includes a, a call to truth. Let's watch how this happens in John chapter 1, verse 14. When Jesus comes to the earth as the gift of God, the Bible says the word became flesh and it definitely dwelt among us. Jesus was here upon the earth and we beheld his glory. We beheld everything that God has for man in the life of Christ. And the glory was in the one and only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and full of truth. These two elements have to go hand in hand or the gospel is a great big lie. 
We cannot have grace absent truth, and we cannot have truth absent grace. These elements go together, and they're the ones that breed and produce the fruit of salvation. To describe Jesus in two words is just that, full of grace and full of truth. It's not a little bit of grace and a little bit of truth. It's all of grace and all of truth together. And so this is what man has always had issue with. But to be Christ-like is to be full of grace and full of truth. That is the balance of God's message in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Now, a lot of the people that are truth-oriented in the gospel are the ones that go around telling the people, you're a sinner and you're going to hell. That's truth. And that's, that's a reality. And it's not diverted from the fact that God has given us the gift of his grace unto salvation. That there's a provision of God that allows man to be able to enjoy what he would not otherwise enjoy. We talked about that last week. If you weren't here last week, you need that message in your life. Why? You need to be full of grace. You don't let the devil pester you with the fact that, that you're not fit to go into the kingdom of God, that you're not the substance. That's what, that's what my issue with God. When I first kneeled down, when I heard the gospel, I knelt down. I said, Lord, there's a problem here, and it's my sin. My way of doing things wrong will never get me into heaven. And that's where grace comes in, because where sin is present, grace abounds. There's a measure of God's gifting that is powerful. But it's not absent truth, because um, the, the gift of God's grace presents you or introduces you to truth. It allows you to, to see God in his fullness, and God begins to pour that out. Um, Grace-oriented Christians are those that love and forgive without people repenting, without people asking for forgiveness. Imagine this. You, you present a gospel where the guy doesn't have to ask God, I'm sorry. He doesn't have to seek God's forgiveness. He says God's grace is sufficient. It's sufficient to bring you to the place to ask for forgiveness, to tell God, I'm not, I'm not in line with your measure and with your scenario. And so this creates the 50 shades of gray that we presently live in in our world where people says it doesn't matter who you are or how you are. You could, you could be homosexual. You could continue with your religion of Islam and, and you're going to heaven because of God's grace. That's just simply not true. And if it's not true, it's a lie. And if it's a lie, it has nothing to do with grace because the grace of God reveals truth. The grace of God shows you the way. God pours forth his amazing grace and goodness, but the gospel without grace, without truth, is a lie. Uh, this balance, is, it needs to be perfected. And obviously, a lot of the things that man does initially is lopsided. We're reminded of our dogs as they were growing up. We would always have a couple of tennis balls around. And our cocker spaniel, he would, he would want both of the balls at the same time. So you throw one ball, he'd go get it. You throw another ball, he has a ball in his mouth, and he'd go get it. And he had to drop one ball and grab the other ball, and he couldn't hold both of the balls in his mouth at the same time. He wasn't big enough. And a lot of Christians are like that. They're either got the truth ball in their mouth or they got the grace ball, but they can't fit them both, and they need to. They need to be able to understand that, that God has these provisions for us. And so here it is. Um, our minds cannot hold these concepts. 
When you try to put grace into your mind and what it means, what we talked about last week, we're overwhelmed and blown away by the goodness of God. We can't understand it. How God grabs a prostitute, a liar, a thief, a drug addict, somebody who's not worthy, and then somebody who's self-righteous is not going to heaven because they don't want the righteousness of God. And this is not by your ability. It's about God's ability. So this grace concept, a lot of people are getting into heaven through receiving his grace, and a lot of people that, that are holding on to truth, well, I never lied. Um, we were talking yesterday, uh, we, we stopped and visited a friend in Jacksonville. We had a couple hours uh, layover, so we visited Cliff Hare. And, and Cliff Hare says that, that his wife was grown up in church, and she didn't understand the concept of, of repentance. Repent from what? I'm not a drug addict. I'm not a prostitute. I've never stole. I was raised in the church. So she needed to repent from something called self-righteousness. And if she doesn't repent of never having had sex out of marriage, never having, uh, you know, done drugs, never skipping school, never lying, never stealing, never cursing, uh, the grace of God still has to come upon her life for her to be saved. And so um, a lot of people have the tendency more of, of, I've never done anything wrong, so I don't have to repent. And that is a far-fetched reality from the truth of God. Now look what verse, uh, John chapter 1, verse 17 says. Because um, 15 says, he came full of grace and full of truth. And it says, for the law was given through Moses. All the Old Testament laws and commandments came through Moses but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The, the, the people that, are, that understand grace sometimes exaggerate it and it becomes a sloppy grace of tolerance and compromise. So you don't have to go to church. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't even have to pray. You don't have to, you don't have to go to discipleship class. You don't have to serve in your church. Yeah, grace, the grace of God is sufficient. And, and, and you know, all these things that we just mentioned are attributes of truth that cause you to come to the fullness of God's purpose. And so if you're twisting grace, you have um, really ruined. It's almost like a child that only wants to eat dessert when he sits down at the table. He only wants to have the candy. He only wants to have the sugar treats. He doesn't want to nourish himself with the provisions of God. So these two aspects of grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ, uh, we have to ask God, God, can you please give us an understanding of your grace that does not insult truth? Can you give us the, the extravagant, amazing grace that comes from your throne of grace to help us in our times of need but that is not divorced and distant from the standard of your truth so that we might be set free. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you, can you please give us these two aspects? Because while grace is extravagant and more songs have been sung about amazing grace than any other song in the world. All the celebrities and musicians, grab that song. And, and if you have like Elvis Presley, if you have uh, Barbara Streisand, if you have these great singers and they start singing Amazing Grace, believers and non-believers begin to weep 
They begin to be touched by the presence of God. Just by upon hearing the reflection of what it is to, to be in that grace. You don't have to be a believer to be totally overwhelmed by the goodness of God's grace. And then uh, on the other side, the truth is so uh, missing in our day. You, you can't find a person that tells the truth. You can't find a person that's not walking telling his children um, that Santa is not real, that green lollipops don't come from caterpillars, that the, all these stories that uh, I, I was literally on my way to Switzerland one year and I sat next to a young man who was 32 years old and I began to tell him about Jesus Christ and all of a sudden in a fit of total, uh, it's not road rage because we were up there 32,000 feet, how do you call that? Airplane rage. He, I hate him! And began to weep. This guy was big. I was like, whoa, I touched the wrong button. He was upset. He's a liar. And I'm like, why? He says, my dad, he's a liar. He said he worked for the Pentagon. He worked for the Vatican. He's a liar. And this man just went crazy right next to me. He had so much hatred in his heart from his father being a total liar. He says, my whole life, every story my father has ever told me is a lie. And I was like, listen, I understand that. But regardless of how twisted and wicked and perverted and dysfunctional your dad is you need to be a good son whatever the case may be whatever however the twisted truth doesn't say that that what he's doing is right truth doesn't sit there and accept what is wrong truth is it's it's there and it's present but it's not going to have a reflection on me so so the matters of truth and and those of you that that don't carry your bibles i feel bad for you Maybe you're walking in sloppy grace. Maybe you're walking in a grace that's not going to prepare you to be the champion God has for you. Maybe today you'll introduce and say, God, I don't want to be full of fanciful lies. I don't want to be have full of imaginations. This thing about Christianity is not something that, that is storytelling. Imagine this guy with the lollipops. He says nothing is, is holy. He says he, he came to the conclusion there is nothing upon the earth that's perfectly true. And you know what Jesus' name is? Truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Grace is awesome, but if it's not leading you to truth, my friend, I suggest that it's not the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Martin Luther says that this is like riding a horse. How many of you ride horses and know what a stirrup is? A stirrup is on either side of the horse. And he says, if you're missing one, the devil doesn't matter what side of the horse you fall off in just as long as you fall. So some people can't accept grace because it's too extravagant. And some people can't accept truth because it's too stringent. And the truth of the matter is, if you're not held up by both of these stirrups, the devil's going to have you fall. Wherever you're missing the balance on grace and truth is a big danger for you as a Christian. Truth without grace breeds self-righteousness. If you're only dictating what the Bible says, you're only holding people up to that standard, you're, you're only showing them the consequences of their sin, and you do not 
and are not able to reveal the extravagant grace of God, there's something missing. Grace without truth breeds worldliness. You're, you, you, you can have 50 wives, you can have 50 girlfriends, uh, you could lie, you could cheat, you could steal. You go to the house of God, you raise up your hands, and you continue living as if there's no consequences for your sins. Like train tracks and the combustion of an engine, Grace is that force that propels you forward, but without the train tracks, you're at best going to be a train wreck if you don't have the train tracks of truth, if they're not governing your directions and not defining your actions. They're like the guardrails that keep us from going off a cliff. If you get upset at guardrails and you're saying, why are they there? Why do they affect my inability to move off in a direction that is not appropriate, you're overlooking that you're going to be destroyed off a cliff. So the world doesn't understand truth as it relates to grace. And that's why they look at us and they see that we are a paradox. A lot of people don't understand my life. I'm so radical and intense. But at the same time, there's a measure of grace that allows all sinners to repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one. There is no, there's no holding back. We, we need to have a picture of this that is clear. We must examine ourselves, correct ourselves, and balance ourselves. Those who are truth-oriented need to go out for a way to affirm grace. And those who are grace-oriented need to go out to look for a way to affirm truth. Truth hates sin, and grace loves sinners. Those full of grace and truth are the ones that show forth the character of Christ. This perfect balance that needs to be in our lives. We need to ask God, God, show us what this looks like. In this contradiction where we're stringent. Last night, there was a young man that was escorted out of the youth group. He says, you can't come back here. Because in the opportunity to open up grace to his life, to come to truth, there's an inability to want to embrace truth and continue doing things that are reckless. In other words, remove the guardrails, remove the stirrup, allow things to fall and to end up destroyed. And where our grace is, is great and abundant, but our truth requires us to protect the sheep of the Lord, requires us to have standards, requires us to have measures, balances, and so here it is. If you, if you saw what we saw, and we'll do it again in John chapter 1, verse 15. I want you to see these two verses. This is John, the first chapter of John, verse 15. He says, verse 5, was it? There's a typo for me. Let's go to verse 17. The law was given through Moses. So there is a structure and there is an established order. But grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. Now what happens in John chapter 2, the very next chapter has John chapter 2 verse 1. The very next chapter shows Jesus showing up at a wedding. On the third day there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was invited to be there. Verse 2. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. You guys know that in the presence of a wedding, there was a lack of wine. 
And in his grace, it says, as they were invited to this wedding, verse 3, when they ran out of wine, there was no more provision of wine, the mother of Jesus said, they have no wine. She went over to Jesus and she, she says, you know something? Do you have any divine connections? Do you have anything from heaven that could come and fix this problem? The answer, of course, was yes. Verse 4, he says, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? I mean, your guys are over there doing your thing. Why are you putting this over on me? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5, she tells, mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, you do it. Follow his lead because he's able to fix this situation. Verse 6. Now there was set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 30 gallons apiece. You guys do the math, six times 30 gallons, and you'll have your answer there. 190. Verse 7. Said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Verse 8. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it, verse 9. The master of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine and did not know whether it came from the servants who had drawn the water, the water knew, or the master of the feast called the bridegroom, verse 10. And said to him, every man at the beginning sets out good wine. When the guests have all got drunk, they bring out the inferior. But you have kept the best wine until now. Verse 11, and the beginning of these signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. What are we seeing here in this illustration? This is right after chapter 1. Jesus has come with uh, truth and grace. And all of a sudden in chapter 2, we see a manifestation of grace that's through the roof. He's hanging out with people that possibly are non-believers. He's providing what they need. He's providing it in a measure of abundance. He's providing the best. So in your life, whatever is water, whatever has run out, and you're not having the provision of, Jesus comes in and extravagantly gives you the best. Extravagantly performs a transformation power freely. It doesn't say he charged. It doesn't say he sold it. He was there giving them a full-on provision of his untold amazing grace. Verse 13, what's it say? <clears throat> right after the grace provision, now the, the same chapter, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus was up to Jerusalem. He went up to Jerusalem. Verse 14, being in Jerusalem, he found in the temple... Those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the business money changers doing business. Verse 15. He made a whip of cords. This is is one of the chapters in the life of Christ that people can't, they they, they can't put their, it's not compatible with the message of love according to a grace that's twisted. They have never heard of discipline. They have never heard of instruction. They have never heard of consequences. And he made a whip out of cords and he began to drive out those of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money 
and overturn the tables. Do you, do you have an understanding of Jesus coming into your life with a whip? Engaging in the consequences of things that do not please God. Attitudes and, and issues that corrupt the worship of God. And so my, my next door neighbor will say, Joaquin, don't talk to me about the church because I grew up in a church where there was so much grace. This man lied in his business affairs and cheated and would come to church. This man would steal and he would come to church. And this man would take that man's wife and they would come to church. And so everything in church without truth becomes a twisted understanding of grace. A, a, a total, you know, despair. There's, there, it's a stench. It, it's not attractive. I, I wouldn't like for you to be in your business stealing from one of your clients. And then you come here and you're saying you're a Christian and you worship Jesus. And then your client comes in here and says he's a spring of lifer. He's what you call a world changer. No, that makes me sick. I'm never coming back to this church because this guy took my wife. He took my money. He lied. He cheated. He stole. He keeps secrets. He's into pornography. He's into twisted sexual perversion. That's not the grace of God, my friend. This, this calls for the, the wrath of God, the, the whip of the Lord, the, the turning over. Is this New Testament? Absolutely Absolutely, this is New Testament. There's zero tolerance to corrupt the worship in the house of God. So he, he turned over the tables. He got upset. I asked the Lord, Lord, come into my life and turn over the tables. Turn over those things that, that are hypocrisy in my life, that are not true, that are not genuine, that don't show the fullness of who you are in full of grace and full of truth. Verse 16 that episode ended in this situation. Verse 16, please. And he said to those who sold these doves, take these things away from here. Remove, the, the grace of God has to remove things that don't please God in our lives. They don't keep them there and says God's grace is good so I could, I could enjoy my sin. No. Do not make my father's house a house, a market house, a circus, a place of lying and cheating and stealing. That's not the house of God. Verse 17, he said like this, Then his disciples remembered when it was written, Zeal for your house has consumed me. There's a sense for God's reality that require grace and truth. I want to finish 2 John. These two books that are right behind all the letters in the New Testament is 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. 1 John is Christ full of grace and truth. 2 John is is telling a lady, let's go to 2 John chapter 1. 2 John chapter 1, there's a, a, a letter that's written to a lady, um, and it says, to the elder, the elect lady. So she, she, is a, she is a leader in the church, and he's writing to her, and he says, to this leader, the elect lady and her offspring, her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also those who have known the truth. This lady is commendable. But what is the tendency of women? Does anybody know? It's a nurturing tendency. 
Uh, I'll talk about a, bur a, a rapist, a murderer, a thief, and, and, and they'll say, oh, pobrecito. You know, and there's no man saying, no, hay pobrecito. A man is like, this guy needs to burn in hell, and he needs to sit in an electric chair. He needs to die. He needs to have consequences. A father will say, you know, my son needs a spanking. And the mom is like, I know. She's full of grace. He's full of truth. And a marriage is that, that depiction of the character of God. So he's writing to this lady, and since the lady is so generous, she's letting everybody and anyone into the church. Verse 10, look what he says. Because, verse 10, if anyone comes to you and does not bring the standing to be right according to truth, don't receive him into your house. Don't even say hi to him. Why? She has a disproportionate amount of grace. She's letting, any, I'm a Christian, and she just lets them in. Well, I have five wives. You, what do you mean a Christian? You have five wives. Now, I'm a Christian. I lie, and I cheat, and I steal. Oh, pobrecito, come and have soup. You know, sit down at my table. And he says, no. You need the balance of truth because you, you already have grace. You already have a disproportionate measure of grace. So if anyone comes and is not coming with truth, don't receive him. I had a young guy come to our youth group one time, and, and he has, he's full of tattoos, and he's going around showing the kids all the tattoos. He's like, look, I got this one, and she got that one. And I was like, listen, that's not what we need in the house of God. We love him. We, we, we want him to be a Christian, whatever, but he can't export what Jesus won't import. We're not going to receive that. We're not going to walk in that measure of grace. Oh, but you, you guys have no grace. No, we have grace. We have abundant grace. The fact that you're here, that's grace. But truth will kick you out if you don't line up. Truth will kick you out. And so that balance is, is say with me, is Jesus Christ. He's not, he's not a, you know, a lot of these pictures of Jesus show him like, hey, uh, and he's, a, listen, he'll turn your world upside down in two seconds. In two seconds, he's going to fix things in your life. He's there with a father's embrace, but he's also there with a father's spanking. And the person that says a father's spanking has no love in it, doesn't know the father. Has never known the father. Because a father who loves will discipline his children. And so it's an awesome day in the house of God. Let's give a big hand to the Lord. This lady wants to bring everybody in and however they want to be. And then the father, he says, listen, if anyone comes in and is not lined up with the truth of God, don't let them in. Oh, but that's not grace. Yes, it is grace. It's full of grace. It's full of truth. Now, this is 2 John. And he writes that letter. And he wants to fix the lady. He says, hey, lady, you're a loving lady, but you have no truth about you. There's no reality. You want to live in a fantasy world. You have a lot of great desires, but they're not grounded in truth. Now, Third John is the opposite. It goes to a man and it tells him, listen, you are so strong and you want to hold truth so high that no one is coming in. You're keeping everybody out. Your standard of truth is so crazy, there's no grace in it. So in Third John, uh, and we'll go to verse, I believe it's 17. No, Third John, verse 5. Third John, the next book, We'll see an example of this where the balance is brought into our life. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. He's telling them, listen, this is not only about truth. It's also about those people that are coming in. Now, verse 6, he says, 
who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. So you're supposed to bless people that aren't necessarily at your level of standard. Verse 7, he says, uh, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. They're not being helped out by unbelievers. Verse 8, unbelievers are not going to bring this to them. We therefore ought to receive such that we might become fellow workers for the truth. The other one was saying, don't receive them. And here he's writing, hey, you're keeping people out. Receive those that are walking towards truth. Your measure of grace is not there. These guys have met the standard of God's truth. So receive such that we might become fellow workers for truth. You don't want to pervert uh, the, the, the gospel message by not accepting them. I want to I show you he, he wants to balance this out by showing there's a guy who's twisted and he has walked away from truth. Let's go read this. Um, in verse uh, 9. Look what he says. I wrote to the church, but there's a guy named Diotrephus. We'll call him Dion. Who loves to have preeminence among them and does not receive us. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 10. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he has done, pratting, he's competing against us malicious, with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to be uh, putting them out of the church. There's guys that, that have a standard or putting uh, that is unbelievable. Now look what he says in verse uh, 12. But there's another gentleman that his name is... Demetrius, he has a good testimony from all of us. And from he stands according to truth. And we also bear witness that you know that our testimony is true. There's a guy there that you're to allow in. He has a good testimony. He is living according to God's desire. Uh, so open up your heart in grace and allow him to participate. And, and we've been called to minister to strangers and to the brethren because the grace of God in our life is sufficient. Let's stand this morning and, and ask God. This is, this is like tuning the guitar. If you don't tune it, it sounds horrible. Those of you that are musicians know what I'm talking about. If you ever tried to ride a horse with only one stirrup, you know what I'm talking about too. You're going to end up in the ground. And so if you ever try to ride a train and it goes off its tracks, it's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be super ugly. Lacking grace or lacking truth, uh, we are lacking Jesus. But if we're full of grace and the fullness of what he wants to do, and, and I, I'll tell you that, that I wouldn't be standing here this morning if it wasn't for an abundant measure of his grace. And then also, I would have never been able to put away things in my life unless I was confronted with truth. And those of you that, that love grace and hate truth, you're just hating Jesus. And those of you that love truth and hate grace, you're not a disciple of the Lord. You need to be full of grace. And, and you guys know the order, right? That grace before truth. Because grace allows you to receive truth. 
A lot of you guys want to dispense truth, and you're right about what you're saying and everything, but you have no grace. And so your message is unacceptable because he came full of grace and full of truth. In all the letters Paul writes, he starts out, the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He starts out with grace. And then he commends us and releases us to the grace of God that will be sufficient to sustain us in our travels. So this morning, ask God to make you a vessel of honor, dispensing grace and truth wherever you go. Uh, Be gracious with your words, but don't lack truth. There was a young man that went to visit his father who had cancer. And when he was young, in his college days, his father told him, never talk to me about Jesus again. So he was scared. And then elderly, uh, years had passed by. Now his father was with cancer at the hospital, and he went to visit him. And he had to tell his father the truth about him being a sinner. And he didn't know how to tell his dad because his dad didn't want to hear it. But he says, if I don't tell my dad about being a sinner, then I'm not going to give him an opportunity to repent. So how, how do we do this? We, we need to have God's grace to be able to do that. So he went into the room, and... He told his dad, he says, Dad, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All men are sinners. All men are rebellious. All men are disobedient. All men didn't do it right. That's the truth. And then the the grace part is the gift of God is salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So these two things are, are constantly on there. The world out there doesn't understand the balance. They're They're unbalanced. Um, in the book of Jude, we see that, that these guys that are shipwrecked in the faith, they twist grace. They can't stand a church that has standards. They can't stand a church that has uh, a government, uh, that has elders, that makes decisions. Um, yesterday when we sat down with this young man, we, we gave him a full-fledged amount of goodness and grace. We weren't, we weren't trying to be hostile or mean but uh, the grace of God absent truth is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you today that we come to the place to contemplate your beauty in the house of the Lord. And, And we have seen it today, Lord. We have seen the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, a message that that brings the clarity of your grace that's amazing. That the worst of sinners, the chief of sinners, the most twisted and defiled and depraved of us, possibly the pastor being the chief sinner amongst those you put in the church, has seen your grace and has introduced us to the truth that sets us free. In John chapter 8 verse 32 it says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free will break the chains of sin and addiction and depression. So we pray, Father God, that your grace would introduce truth into our hearts and that you forgive us, Lord, for the times we have exaggerated grace and deprived truth. And for those of us that are legalistic and religious, we have exaggerated truth and deprived grace. Give us the full measure of your presence, Lord, as we minister to others, that they might see the embodiment of your love, but they also see the substance and the reality of the truth that draws a line between right and wrong, good and evil, blessing and curse.
We give you thanks for this time in the house of God. And we know that you're going to bring us to the fullness of this truth that you've introduced to us this morning. We pray that we have the capacity to begin to serve, to carry our Bibles, to pray, to walk in those things that honor you in the truth of the gospel. But also, Father God, to be able to enjoy and rejoice in these things as we serve you and honor you with the gladness of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.